everybody. This is Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nachum Siegel Network. Our show is sponsored by Hod Golan, the height of taste. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Naomi Nachman. I'm about all the food, all the time. I love shopping for it, cooking it, eating it, eating at restaurants, uh, anything anything food related. Um, I'm a kosher personal chef. My business is called the Aussie Gourmet. And anytime you don't feel like cooking, you give me a call. Shabbos Yontov. Pesach, only 50-something days away. Don't want to cause big Pesach panic now, but yeah. Um, so I hope you'll tune in every week to Table for Two on the Nakam Single Network and hear about my cooking adventures and kosher food traveling and sharing of great food recipes and and, and ideas each week uh, with my amazing guests. Um, but I want to hear about your experiences too, so you can uh, email me, Naomi, at nachamsegel.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest. What have I left out? Yeah, um, I'm sure I've left something out there. I have a website, the Aussie Gourmet, and you can sign up for my newsletter through uh, my website and uh, send out one or two recipes a week with um, through the website. Yeah, so it's a lot of fun uh, doing what I do. It's it's really, you know, it's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it, eating their way through New York. I'm having a really great time because today's actually – the day after Kosher Food and Wine Expo 2015, it was uh, at the Manhattan Pavilion, uh, sponsored by Royal Wines, and it was unbelievable. And I have in my studio three guests, amazing guests who we've become, you know, you'll hear throughout the uh, segments, uh, throughout this show today, all about uh, each one of the guests. But we figured, like, while they're all uh, together in uh, New York, we're going to meet up the day after the show. So the actual, even though it's the day, you're going to hear the show a week after KFWE. We're actually recording this show today right after uh, the event, and it was a fabulous event. Um, I'm going to introduce my three guests uh, today. We have Yosef Silva from kosherwines.com. He's actually in from Kansas, and we actually decided special to come into the studio today. Uh, thank you, ZK, for organizing this for us and coming in on a random Tuesday <laughs> um, to do the show because what if he's coming in from Kansas City for the wine show, I want him here in the uh, historic Lorry side in the iconic studio of Nachum Siegel. So uh, thank you for joining me today. I also have Jonathan Margolin, uh, Token Scalpel, and, of course, Melinda Strauss, my dear friend. Uh, is she there? Hi, Melinda. Oh, hey, I'm here. Hey. <laughs> um, Melinda from kitchen-tester.com. We're all going to do a wrap-up together. We're going to talk individually with everybody. But I had to have Melinda on because this past week, I don't know if you've been following her on Facebook, her explosion of unbelievable homentation is unreal. And with uh, this, it's now Adar, so we need to really explore and Purim is coming up super fast, put you in that Purim panic uh, as well as Pesach panic. So we have to talk to Melinda about her homentation. So I'm going to welcome all my guests. Thanks guys for coming in, Melinda. It's so great to hear everybody, have everybody right here in the studio. So I'm very happy that we finally coordinated this. Yosef's been a guest over the phone. Yep. So great now, to be here in person. Yeah, I know, right? Isn't yeah. it amazing? It's like all of Nachum and Miriam and all our hosts, like are like all part of the each show and, you know. I feel like everyone's with us. How are you doing? I'm great. Very like, excited to be here. Yeah, you like New York, right? I, I do, in uh, small doses. <laughs> I like my small town life, but I, it's great to come into town for special events. This is my third time in for Kosher Food and Wine Experience. It's a great event. It's a great reason to come to New York. Yeah, you know, it's especially now that you've changed caps a little bit. Um, yeah. Yosef has an incredible blog. Um, we've spoken about 
before, um, this American Bite, just innovative, creative recipes, and he's now become the, am I saying it right, the director of marketing yep. for kosherwines.com. Yes. So, you know. so I have been involved with kosherwine.com for a couple of years in a freelance capacity. Um, as of the start of the year, I left my uh, corporate day job and I, I joined kosherwine.com um, full-time. So my responsibilities are all our marketing, our promotions, working with people like you, Melinda, John, to just find the perfect food and wine pairings. Um, I'm also uh, responsible for all the customer experience. So if there's an issue with your order or you have a question about a pairing, um, I see myself, I see my goal as building community around kosher wine. We, we all know the Batanuras and the Sweet Sacramento wines. They're a phenomenal 93, 90-point 90 rated wines from all over the world, um, Chile, Australia, Israel. And um, I think the average kosher consumer doesn't know that they're out there. Right. And they're not all... With $100 price tags, there's some great affordable kosher wine available to everybody. So let's talk about some of the wines as this is a bit of a wrap-up for our uh, kosher food and wine show. I'm a big fan of Royal Wines, and Royal Wines sponsors our network right here on Nachum Siegel Network. But what what were the standouts for you? Because there are, I don't even know, I forgot to ask Jay how many bottles were actually uh, shown. Mm -hmm. Thousands. We were talking about in the thousands. What were the standouts for you? Um, I am always being a fan of the Flam Winery. Flam, yeah. Ari White said that too. Right, they they make phenomenal wines. They have the attention to detail of their winemaking. The quality of their wine is is by leaps and bounds. It, it's it's one of my favorites. Um, Flam and Costello, two of my favorite wineries, and have been for many years. Oh, interesting. Um, in fact, two or three years ago, I introduced Melinda to uh, the Castel, <laughs> the Domaine du Castel. Oh, yeah, Castel is now that. my favorite wine. I it's one of the only ones that I really like to drink, and it's because of Yosef. It's so good. In fact, uh, the Domaine du Castel, my wife and I opened when we got engaged. We had oh, an 04. very nice. Uh, it's, a, it's a great wine. It's great for a special occasion. Yeah. Um, Flam actually um, was served to President Obama when he met with Shimon Paris. There was a state dinner, and they, they drank Flam uh, together. So they are making a very high-end quality product. Um, Enough to serve President Obama. There you right. go. <laughs> um, Woohoo! <laughs> another winery that I really um, I enjoy a lot is Psago. Yeah. Um, they, I personally, I love a dry red wine. I like a cab. I like a Merlot. I like something that leaves my palate le feeling really dry. But Sago have um, a port style wine. There are very few. Let's kosher talk about ports. what a port is for right. some of our new listeners who are not sure what a port is. Um, um, I, mean, I have a rough idea, but even right. I would like to know. All right, so port is a sweeter wine. Um, it's uh, it's often served with dessert. It's it's uh, really rich in flavor, rich in color. Um, kind of luxurious, um, and it, it's a sweeter wine. Is it like a finishing? Yeah, you'll finish. serve it at the end. I will serve it at the end of a meal. Um, and Pesago make port-style wine. It's not actually a port because it's um, – I, I don't know the specifics of, of when is something officially a port, but it's port-style, and it's my favorite kosher port um, that's easily available in the U.S. Okay. What do you mean easily available? Like through – It's in stores. We sell it at kosherwine.com. Okay. Um it's it's a Pesago is a is a, a mainstream brand. You're not going to have to search for it. Okay, great. Well, okay, what else? Um, the French wine scene was really strong and yeah. present at, at KFWE yesterday. Nice. Um, Got to support the French Jews right now. I, absolutely. And something that was interesting, I was discussing with one of the French winemakers last night. Is he said in the American market we talk about liking our cab, we like our Merlot, you want your Pinot, and in France it's about the Chateau. It's about who's made that wine. The chateau is the winery or the vineyard or the, the I guess, the company. The chateau is like a castle, right? It is. It is. But a lot of French wines will be named chateau something. 
and um, they said um, they are less focused on what the blend is or what the type of grape is. It's about that family that's been making wine on that vineyard. It's about that chateau. Um, so they do list what's in it, but that's not their focus. It's on making a, the perfect blend or the perfect wine. I believe that the French wine scene is going to grow in the U.S. I think it's um, that they're readily available. Right. I, um, I like I, their drapier. I, right. I will still stand by that. Right. Uh, five years going straight to the Kosher Food and Wine Show, and I'm not the red wine drinker. Right. I like the drapier champagne. Absolutely. A couple of uh, batches are made a year. It's actually not even a kosher company, but right. they do get a mashkiach in and do whatever they do to make it, you know, uh, fit for us to yep. drink as kosher consumers and still my favorite. The drapier is very popular. We sell a lot of it. Um, I found that it paired very nicely with some of the foods last night. I mm. was enjoying it. There was a lamb dish um, we were discussing on the way over here <laughs> um, that I, fa- I failed to remember who was making it, but it just it just worked really nicely. It's it's a good champagne and lamb. That's not I even liked, something you would I even think it. about normally. I really enjoyed it. Like you think of champagne, celebration, parties. It's an enjoyable wine to to, to have for a Shabbat dinner for with a lamb dinner. Right. Oh, interesting. Okay, next. I um, see. I see. He has a lot of wines there, so I want to try and hit up on, on some you know, of the wines that he's got on his list. I don't want to overwhelm with like names and brands, but something that happened recently in the in the wine industry is Shiloh is getting a lot of recognition Shiloh, as yes. well. Jay um, Bookspam has brought Shiloh into us, and we uh, we actually have. Um, are you familiar with a Magnum? Those very large bottles that double size. No, I am um, not. So oh, oh, oh. they're a double size bottle. <laughs> they're they're very large. You put them on the table. They look great on a Purim table or as a Purim gift. Okay, buy a Magnum of wine. Good. They're okay. delicious. Okay. It's it's the same wine as in a regular okay. bottle. It's just a double size. Can is is there a picture on Instagram? Um, um, on I can post one on Instagram. Absolutely. Okay. And to we, all of our listeners who would like to see what this double size, I'm going to ask Yosef to take a regular bottle of wine and this double size bottle of wine. He's going to put it on the Instagram page of uh, this American bite. This American oh, bite yep. on his own Instagram page. Um, and that okay, this American bite. That's his handle, I guess, on Instagram. You can also look up our magnums on and, kosher wine. But yeah, we, we'll... And that way, people from our listeners can see, and then they can order it. They have time. And the beauty about his website, they're shipping it to your front door. Absolutely. You don't have to go and fight parking anywhere. You you don't have to pay for shipping. We do free shipping on all full cases of wine. You order 12 bottles, it ships for free. That's fantastic. And I'm sure you also always get a good deal when you buy a full yeah. case of wine as Absolutely. well. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit now about some of the other things that Kosher Wines does. Um, so kosher, kosherwines.com does. Kosher Wine, um, we are um, essentially we're the largest retailer of kosher wine in the country. Um, we have a fine wine consultant that can help you. Uh, what do you just, mean by that? Just, let's... just someone who can help you find the perfect wine for your pairing. We, we happily field questions so about wines. So people email you? Yeah, you can or reach the, out. Or you can call? You can reach out to us on Twitter, Kosher Wine Site. And just we get a lot of – I get a lot of questions. Especially What's your from Twitter Co- handle? Kosher Wine Site. Okay, cool. So it's Kosher Wine Site, S-I-T-E. Um, and you'll find me tweeting there. Um, I have a lot of food blogs that will reach out about a pairing, um, what's good for a dessert, what's good with a main. Um, what's good with hamantaschen? I'm so good with hamantaschen. <laughs> um, I think the thing I'm most excited about for 2015 is um, we're expanding our range of um, – private labels, and exclusive imports. Okay, what do you mean by a private label? So a private label is a wine that is made for us. It's it's only available through us. We have worked with the wineries, oh, nice. determined what that blend boutique, is. Boutique, boutique. Right? Some of them are boutiques. We, we're working with wineries in Chile and France and Israel. Um, and in a similar vein, we have some exclusive imports, and that means that we are bringing those into the country. Um, 
and they're available through us. But our private labels, our, our, our exclusive lines are going to be very exciting this year. Um, we don't have specific dates on them, but um, you can sign up for email notifications from us as well or follow us on Twitter, and we'll be making noise about those as soon as we have them. That's really exciting. Yeah. Are those in the Wine of the Month Club like are those part of it? Or? So yeah, our wine clubs are very popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, membership to a wine club. Um, yeah, I, I love. I, I'm glad you brought that up. Yep. That was one of my next questions because I love the idea of a wine club. Right, the wine clubs are great. We ship to your door uh, once a month. Um, we have we have them at different levels of right. different tastes. So if right. you, you only like red, there's a club for you. If you like red and white, there's one for you. Ninety point only. That's great. What? Actually, what did you say? A ninety point rated wine. So those are the top rated what does wines that in the mean? industry. What? Ninety. Okay, let's go back. Teach, educate all of us right now. So what does the, that mean? The wine industry is a, as a global standard. This isn't just kosher wine. Global standard. Okay. Um, if something is 90 point, it's the best. It's, it's a point scale. So 90 plus is going to be what the best. What makes it 90? Um, I, I don't know how. Where did that scale the... come from? <laughs> so it's, it's a 100 point scale and it's the very top. Okay. The so, top 10% of wines. Um, and each, each body that awards. Um, scores that may do it a little differently, and obviously it's a very private system. And also, but it's recognition. And and also, I guess which awards it has won as well. Right. Um, yeah. So there are gold medals and medals that wines can win, but um, as as an industry standard, the 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 ninety point plus is going to be the best of the best. Okay. And you have a ninety point club. We have a ninety point club. Oh, we sell a lot. That's a really cute. I like that. Very creative. Um, we're doing a wine tasting event in Kansas City on February nineteen, and our, our wine club members come for free. Oh, so, very nice. Um, okay. We also, at the moment, we're running a promotion. If you join our wine club for six or twelve months, you get fifty dollars to spend on the website. Uh, so, that's great. Yeah, you join join one of our wine clubs. So you go to kosherwine.com and in the top banner that says wine clubs. Right. And, and and you had mentioned that people who from our listeners who join um what were we saying? The, well if what? you if you want to place an order at kosherwine.com um and use the code table for two. Um so T A B L E for two. The words, not the numbers. F O U R T W T W O. Table four two. You have to table. write out table four two. Yeah, the word table for two. Um, that will give you 5% off your order. Okay, that's great. Thank you for so, our table for two list. So that's T-A-B-L-E-F-O-R-T-O-W. T-W-O. I know. We're still recovering from last night. You have to excuse us if we stutter on our words. There we go. But it was really intense. And I didn't even drink in the evening portion. I was there during the day for Just Press. And I had a lot of the wines. I did not touch um, any wine at night. I had a glass right at the end, but I wanted to stay yeah. very focused. Well, I think that each of us have talked a little bit off the air about how, what we get out of the event. And like for me, that time with the winemakers and the wineries, that's what's worth my time flying in for. Whereas the food, um, I love the food, but there's so many people there, and I, I'm not someone who's going to battle through a crowd. Yeah, he's not from New York, can you tell? <laughs> Actually, he's not even from America. Can you tell that he has an accent? Brooklyn, no. Yeah, that's what they said about me. He's he's a, he's actually born in England. Yes, I am. Uh, made Aliyah. Yes, I uh, lived in Israel for five years. Uh, met my wife there. Our oldest son was born in Israel. Oh, nice. Um, I did not know that. And when he was three or four months old, we moved to the states. And um, how we got to Kansas City is a whole other story. But we uh, we decided to make our home in Kansas City. There's a very nice. Jewish community in Kansas. Wonderful Jewish community. We have an Arab. We have shawls. We have food. We have a day school. Um, and you have a kosher barbecue competition. We do. August 16th this year will be our, uh, I think, I forget if it's our fourth or fifth year. Um, we have, um, we were the first kosher barbecue, um, festival in the country to be officially sanctioned by the Kansas City Barbecue Society. I, I saw that. And they are Mazel a global, tov. thank you. Well, they are the global 
Standard. Standard for barbecue. And I believe Dallas just announced that they are going KCBS as of this year as well. That is. So to see the change that's going to happen with the barbecue, I, there's, um, I take a lot of pride in the effort and energy we have, uh, I am on the, the board for the Vat of Kashru and like there's a lot of energy that goes into our barbecue festival every year and it's, I'm very proud to be a part of that. It's phenomenal. Um, you were, you're the first forerunners of all this because now they're popping up Connecticut and right. Long Island and, uh, you know, we've been part of that as some of us from the, Network. And that's really credit due to Mendel Siegel. He yeah, Mendel, he's been a guest on the show. Right. He lives for, um, food. He, he just, he's so passionate about barbecue and food and he does a tremendous amount for our community. Yeah. Um, and the barbecue festival is his brainchild. Yeah, he's done amazing. And when I saw him at Kosher Vest, he gave me a, t- a container of his spices. Right. I've been putting that. This could even be a what's for dinner segment, but it's not going to be. <laughs> um, where I, I sprinkle his, um, seasoning yep. on a brisket. I put yep. in the crock pot. With onions and potatoes, yep. uh, sweet potatoes actually, some ketchup, um, a lot of uh, barbecue sauce and water, and I cook it overnight in my um, ch- crock pot, right. and it's amazing. His spices are phenomenal, so we're waiting for right. him to mass produce that he, for the for, I, the for us all. He is working on a on a barbecue sauce that is in, is going to be a mass production. That is something that we can all buy and taste at home. And he's uh, when it comes to barbecue, he he's an authority. He We're going to tweet doing. out to you, Mendel. Right? It's Kansas City style barbecue. I believe so. I believe so. Um, I yeah, it's got its own unique flavors. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah nice. Mendel. He he missed out last night. Definitely yeah. did. <laughs> but we were all tweeting him <laughs> and texting him. Right. I know. I know. It was it was really a lovely night, and it's a really great food gathering. Um, you know, right. for, well, for for all the foodies and all the white white. Winos? I don't know what the right word is. <laughs> people that, that really appreciate, and I feel like with the growth and people like Jay Booksbaum and, and Royal Wines who are educating people to drink, uh, good wines and, and, you know, people, thank God, have got jobs and they want to, you know, reach out and spend some of their money on wine, the wine and food. And we're always happy to help and educate. And I think that's really fantastic. I think, in my opinion, it goes beyond that. And something that I, I really believe is that food creates community. And like I'm in Kansas City, you you guys I don't even know your bars in New York, but like, we, and we're friends. <laughs> so cute. Been to my house. I've been to your house. I okay. can't tell you where it is, but I've been to your house. <laughs> okay, so I just want to. It's it's kind of funny. The four of us are here on the iconic, amazing, historic Lorry side. Melinda is from Seattle. Okay. Jonathan is born and raised in New Jersey. No, Long Island. Long Island. Yes. Oh, Merrick, Long Island. Merrick, Long Island. Merrick, Long Island. Right, right, but he now lives in New Jersey. Yes. You live in Kansas City, but you've got a whole history of My moving. family actually moved to England in the 1600s when Jews were allowed in with Cromwell. Oh, really? Wow. Yep. That's cool. so interesting. Yep. I remember, I studied that in Jewish mm-hmm. history. I'm an Aussie, and ZK is born and bred in Brooklyn. Yeah, so we've got a little bit of a mix over here, and here we are all meeting. And our Seems sense of community and our sense of food, like we're all really good friends. Like we always, when are we, you know, we all met for breakfast this morning, mm-hmm. and then we're like, when can we meet again? And it's really nice, the support system that the kosher, I like to work, use the word foodies, but all the kosher foodies have got, and <laughs> food kosher appreciation or, you know, food appreciation. Yep. You know, sometimes I call myself, yes, I'll say it, a food snob. Um, but, you know, we you love that with to pride. Eat. I, I'm proud to be a food I snob. I do. Hashtag food snob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go to a restaurant and I, when I go to a restaurant and I, there's pasta, I'll always ask them if it's from a box or did they make it themselves. So, and they made it themselves, I'll try it. It's from a box and Mm-mm. give it a miss. Make so. that at home. Yeah, that's right. So, okay, we are food snobs and not everybody can or has the capability or time to make their own pasta, but 
definitely a fun thing to do. Um, okay, so we're going to just continue the conversation along, and mm-hmm. thank you for joining us. And pleasure, you're going to pipe up in a little bit. Let's just give some attention to we have Dr. Jonathan McGowan. Yes. Dr. Chef Jonathan McGowan. And I right. say that with such pride to know you. Thank and you. it's such an honor. Like we it's met literally at Kosher Fest three months ago. We became very fast friends. Yes. And I introduce you to our whole kosher group. And we've had a fabulous time over the last 20, it's literally 24 <laughs> hours that we have all been together eating and drinking and sharing, sharing, yeah. supporting. Right. Which I think is so important. Uh, you know, food really breaks down lots of barriers and it, uh, brings everyone together and it's, it's just so important, you know, for, uh, to, to have that experience. And, uh, for me, my whole life and career, I've been healing people and now it's uh, a chance to heal people from inside out and to, uh, to really have that experience. I love that. Uh, which is, it's so important, uh, to, to bring to our community, uh, and to, to have that experience that everyone can have. Right, from family dinners to group lunches with friends to supper clubs. Exactly. Um, and cooking, Jonathan has a blog called Toke and Scalpel. Uh, he also has a medical degree. He's a yes. podiatrist. Yes, that's great. Um, he's probably one of the smartest guys I know, <laughs> and I haven't even known him that long. To have two talents like that is just fantastic. You are truly blessed. Thank you. And lots of lo- lots more brachot to you. Thank you. Thank um, you very much. Where did you actually go to chef school? Uh, I went to uh, CKCA in Brooklyn. Yes. Big fan. It's a wonderful. Shout out to you guys. Beautiful experience, and uh, very much recommend anyone who'd like to be able to have that experience as well. Uh, whether you're doing it uh, for professionally or you're doing it uh, as uh, a hobby, or it's just an amazing place to be able to have that experience, to be able to create your dishes, to be able to taste everything, and to have that full involvement uh, in the culinary world. You know, Jonathan has burst onto the scene. Really, like we we. As I said, we met at Kosher Fest, but I see you're everywhere. He's even enjoyofkosher.com. Yes. Like that's a real nice, a very nice thing to, you know, being at the beginning of your career to get picked up so quickly. His blog is fantastic. Thank you. Okay, I I, I can already hear listeners saying to me in my through my headphones, "What's a toke?" Because right, so I didn't know. <laughs> so the name of my. Uh company uh, just sell it as out. well it's t-o-q-u-e a toque is a french chef's hat uh a toque itself if you note the has uh, folds in it and that's uh, there are a hundred folds in a toque uh that uh gives accolade to a hundred um a hundred things that you can do with cooking eggs uh with it as well <laughs> which is very so cool, interesting and for me token scalpel gives uh, accolades to my professional life of being a uh, podiatric surgeon and having that ability to do that as well uh so that's how i came up with the name to uh, bring both together because it's made me who i am uh as an individual uh, I, feel, that's the way bring it on. I think it's a lot of it is about our name like yes. you know i aussie because being australian is so part of who i am and mm. Gourmet is like food is who I am. So right. it's I think it's important to, you know, identify us and brand ourselves like that. So right. you've done a great important. job at that. Thank you. Photography is unreal. Can I just, so you know, good. we've had many a conversation yes. about your website, but who taught you the photography? I did it on my own. So I just have a, an eye for uh for things. Uh, prior to getting involved with cooking, I have uh, art background, uh, being able to you know, draw and paint and do things as well. Yes, right. And uh, to be able to right. to, to enjoy that and <laughs> poo, poo, poo. The, the artistry of putting things together, which I, I find is so important that you eat with your eyes before you taste the food, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to, to bring in everything and uh, for people to 
to see exactly what you're trying to to give to them, uh, which is so so important. And once you put those together, it just completes the whole experience, uh, which is amazing. And I enjoy it very much uh, to to give that to our community as all. Did you cook as a kid? Did little Dr. Jonathan so, cook? So I did. <laughs> I actually – When you uh, were eight, were you like, you know, like my my, my, uh, my buddy um, – oh, my gosh, uh, Aitam Donath. Like, uh-huh. you know. So you I know Aitam very well from the Aitan, community. big fan yes. of Aitam's. He's been on the show. He actually uh-huh. did a live show with us from Gormaglad a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, um and he, you know, one of those young, exceptional chefs. Uh-huh. Were you like well, – So for myself, I grew up as a – I guess you would call it in the 80s a latchkey kid. Both my parents are professionals, and I came into the house, and when I wanted something, I made it pretty much, and I grew up with watching my mother cook and my grandmother cook and having that involvement to be able to do so. And what brought me into the culinary world was, uh, for me, I am Balshuva, and prior to becoming religious, I experienced other things within the culinary world, and I found it to really complete me and to bring that to everybody itself. Uh, and having different experiences, and now as I've gotten older and, and unmarried, uh, getting those experiences with my wife's family of being Tunisian and Russian and a couple oh, of really? things nice. as well. And having those experiences to bring out of what is uh, not necessarily mainstream Judaism or Jewish cooking or per se uh, that would define I find that in New York per se everyone so do you have Jewish cooking and most of the time it's a corned beef sandwich with Dr. Brown soda egg cream or other things itself which <laughs> is which is also bad. Bad, especially don't... here on the Lower East Side oh. with having Gus's pickles or a different thing. Schmorka Bernstein's was exactly. like right up the road. So that, that's an experience but uh, it's so much more and that's why I'm so so happy to have ex- this experience and to be involved with it that uh, kosher cuisine is so much bigger and so much more. Right. And did you enjoy last night with the whole, you know, we, d- we definitely spoke about the wines, but, you know, yes. the, the food scene there. Oh, it was huge. Yeah, it was huge. The, the different chefs that came to there and the experiences and the food that they presented to us was uh, delicious. Yeah, everything was, was really nice. And I see that there's always shifts in, in uh, trends of, of kosher food. Mm-hmm. And I, I like two, three years ago, the Pulled brisket was like all over the place. The smoke stuff, the barbecue stuff, and we love it. It's fab. But I noticed a lot more charcuterie, and I hope I'm pronouncing it right with my crazy accent. Yes. And <laughs> um, But charcuterie has become so popular, and there was a lot more this year. Ari White had amazing charcuterie, mm-hmm. and, and uh, um, pomegranate had some, and of course Prime Grills was Unbelievable. It's like butter. So charcuterie, which people don't know about. Yes, you're going uh, to explain Charcuterie that. is uh, it's a very old way of uh, being able to preserve meats. Uh, before refrigeration, people would uh, preserve their meats in this way, in this fashion. And over in Europe is mostly uh, this art uh, form, which I find is very delectable and delicious. Most of the things that are made out there are made of not necessarily kosher products, uh, but there are a lot on the market that we have at this point, and more and more of it bursting at the seams to give this to our community uh, as a whole. And it's been amazing. And there are more to come, I believe. There's more and so more. So much to to expand on uh, to be able to do so. And I know how much you love, so I made some brajolo, which is Italian cured meat, uh, to bring. <laughs> Everybody knows how well. much I love to eat, especially yes. eating on table. <laughs> For two, <laughs> and ZK is so happy because it's not milk. <laughs> he loves it. We open up a package of something flashy. So, can we open just, some up? Do we need scissors? Of course. I'm just going to hold it up. Um, just to a lot of our listeners and viewers at home, you can watch our show on uh, Nachum Siegel Net on YouTube. You can listen to our show on 
iTunes on the Nachum Siegel Network app or on NachumSiegel.com. I think I've covered that. So people actually came over to me last night. They said, oh, we listen to your show. We're a fan of yours. So I thought it was really exciting because all the foodies were together and it was it was nice to be, yes. you know, meet new people that listen to our show. So it was really nice. Um, okay, so, um, so just you give I'm you just a, holding uh, this up to the camera for those of you watching. But I just want to uh, – do you want to explain? So I'm going to give I'm you doing? a description. So the uh, brinzola okay, – Because he made it. He should is, describe uh, it. It's Italian cured meat. Uh, it is made – uh, there are different ways of making it, but this one in particular has a rub of uh, rosemary, thyme, uh, juniper berries. Uh, there is no garlic and all, but there are a lot of times that there are some chefs who make it, and they make it with uh, in, a, in a wine reduction. This itself was cured for about two weeks, and then the whole process itself, it's been actually curing now for about two and a half, three months at this Do point. Do you keep this in the fridge? So I've been keeping it in the fridge at this point, and it's under vacuum seal uh, okay. to be able to do Which so. Which keeps out all the bacteria exactly. and the air. So the, the actual meat itself has a uh, very flavorful, fruity, very uh, um, woodsy type of flavor uh, as well. Usually when you make it, it has a purplish, uh, pinkish uh, color. Uh, the way this is made is I made it with the uh, shoulder of the uh, of beef uh, to the do something like that, beef. right? Okay. Uh, and then you have to butcher it in such a way to make it as a. Do you a, do this? Do you do your yes, own butchery? Yes, I do it myself as well. Because he's uh, a surgeon, he knows how to butcher his own meat. Okay, so I'm going to take a piece. Of course, I'm going to pass it around. I'm just stealing ZK. Usually, it's, it's it should be. Cut very fairly thin. It could be served with uh, different. Uh, usually, I like to serve it with like figs, or uh, to be able to serve it with. It's, uh, it's kind of like fresh. a cheese board, but it's meat. Yes. Some people actually serve charcuterie in cheese. If you're not, um, you know, in the big wide world out there, yes. people do charcuterie with cheeses. And fabulous wines, it's but we a, kind of like going to keep them separate because that's what we do. Yeah, it's, it complements the, it's not a, a full meal. It's a complement what you're doing as, as, mm-hmm. and so many people who, who have, uh, charcuterie think it's a, it's a full meal, but it's actually to complement your taste and to bring in the other foods that you're, you're experiencing. Okay, we're all whole. melting over it's here. So, so good. One thing I noticed as you were describing it, use a lot of the terms that I would use as describing wine. Uh huh. Woods that you reference the color, and I—I I mean, I would—I would eat this while I drink wine. I think. What wine would go with this? Here we go, Yosef. You're me wine on the spot. pairing. Wine. <laughs> you're putting me on you the wanna, spot. You want something to complement it, or to like something that go would go against an opposite attraction. I would have this more with like a a, a spicier type, right. a Syrah or something. Right. Sort of um, something with a little a little so spice. Yeah. Um, I. We all know about me that I have no sweet tooth at all, so I would definitely go that dry. Yeah, I also have no sweet tooth. Right. Um, or on the sugar. Only on wine. Sugar. See, I like <laughs> off-dry wines. I don't like the very dry wines. Right. So. Um, 1848 are doing a bunch of uh, wines. They have the eighth uh, – sorry, the second generation, the fifth generation. They have a cab as well. Um, 1848 is a wine company? 1848 is a wine company. Um, I've had the second generation cab, the fifth generation. And they're all available through kosherwines.com? Kosherwine.com. Um, no, S, kosherwine.com. And Kosherwine. Wine. Yeah, com. Even though they and have many wines in the we store. We have lots of wines. <laughs> um, but I think the 1840, I would enjoy an 1848 fifth generation with us. Oh, this nice. is fantastic. Oh, yeah. my gosh. And, and on my blog, I actually posted, I made some roasted uh, artichokes with it as well. I love <laughs> artichokes. putting that together as well. Because um, the meat, it, at times it can be salty, but I find that mm-hmm. with this, it's not too salty. I don't find that salty at all. And when you're making it with something else, it complements it well. Some of the charcuterie last night was a little too salty. Right. Yes, yeah. This is beautiful. I love oh. that rosemary note. 
I love rosemary. Berry I love is it. so good in there. I so, love it. Outstanding. Mm-hmm. Okay, you are listening to Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nachum Siegel Network, also heard on Arut Sheva English Radio. Our show is sponsored by Hod Golan. Wow, we are having a great show today. I've got uh, three outstanding uh, chefs uh, here in the studio. We are doing a food catch-up from the KFWE as well as talking about wine and food and charcuterie and mm-hmm. all kinds of fun stuff. And I'm really enjoying a piece of... Uh, Brizola, am I saying it right? Brizola, yeah. Brizola. B-R-E-S-O-S-A-O-L-A. Brizola. This is really nice piece of meat. May I jump in for the question? Oh, sure. Do you share your recipes for your for your charcuterie on your website, or do you just? Um, I have not. Okay. At this point. Um, Share, share, share. (laughs) I I am looking to (laughs) to do so. Uh, It's also a lot of technique and how you you know you're putting together and choosing the right meat that you're using. and the proportion of where you're utilizing. There, there are different uh, charcuterie books out there that are out there to be able to discuss, but I've changed you could mine as well. Not off the time ahead as okay. far as which ones itself. I'm sure um, people could reach out to you through course. your website, tokenscalpel.com. Yes, any questions. If you have questions right. for right. Yeah, and a large part of the charcuterie, the reason why I really – gravitated towards Brizola is because it, it can very easily be made at home as well. Um, a lot of the salamis that are out there, they, they have other additives that you, you can't necessarily find, and then necessarily kosher, they're f- fermenting agents and other things that you can utilize, where something like this is, is fairly simple. You don't necessarily need curing salt, but you can use uh, kosher salt and other things itself too, uh, but you have to be able to have the right way of drying it and, and different things of the sort. Curing uh, so. salt has sugar in it, right? Um, no. It's sodium nitrite. Okay. Uh, it's a mixture of uh, salt, but mm-hmm. it doesn't have sugar in itself. Usually you need to complement it with brown sugar or regular white sugar uh, that you can utilize. This I utilized uh, a little bit of both, actually, uh, as well. Because uh, the brown sugar brings a little bit more of a molasses type of uh, picture right. to it. It's than sweet, just white. but it's not crazy sweet. It has that hint of sweetness. It's delightful. It's, I'm just so as happy well. it's not salty. Yeah. So I was, <laughs> because, yeah. And it's uh, it can be made all different ways, but uh, lots of uh, definitely great to experiment. And it's not a very through, so. expensive cut of meat either. Exactly. Yeah. You know, this is something that you know it's not out there to maybe CK will do CKCA will give classes or you would give classes right? on how to do this yourself. Yes, very much so. And because it, I think it's, it's something you need to see and learn. Right. There's a big trend now happening within restaurants of utilizing cuts of meat that would normally get discarded, other than organ meats and things, but other types of hard. Uh, not not very um, uh, s- soft meats or different things that you can utilize to to cook with uh, are utilized now that have a longer cooking process or different ways you're you're achieving uh, similar results and there's so many things you can do with it with the proper technique. Wow. Okay. Let's talk about a day in the life of. <laughs> Jonathan Margolin. He's new to blogging. He's new. You know, Yosef's been doing it a good couple of years. 2010. We started around the same time. Around four years ago. Four years ago, Melinda, four years ago. Right, you had your blog anniversary. I think that's so cute. Um, Yes, I've had my website up for about 10 years, but blogging is definitely on the newer side for me. Okay, so, you know, how long your recipes are beautiful. Thank you. Tasty, delicious. They look great when you photograph them. 
How long does that process take? Do you take a day off from work to do no, this? No, no. Uh, it's, whole- it's really inspiration, and it's actually for, for my family at this point. Uh, putting things together, I'd like to be able to share with everyone else as well. But um, after seeing patients or at different times, I just get inspiration to create something um, and to be able to present things. And uh, at this point, my children are very spoiled in the food that they're eating. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. We so. all have spoiled children here. <laughs> <laughs> to be able to do so. But it's uh, it's really an, an adventure. So it's uh, my decompressing time as far as after being in work and other things itself. And then I come back to this uh, to get my creative uh, creative juices as well and to be able to do so. And it's uh, it's a great moment, great special. Okay, wonderful. It's really lo- lovely to hear you know, fresh perspective from a new from a new blogger and Thank you. you know new to our our community, right, guys? Like Monica right. and Joseph, yeah. it's, it's great. And Joseph's so happy to have more male food bloggers out there. It's great. I, uh... <laughs> it's been very I'm very pleased and you know very happy with open arms that you uh, brought me into the community and to have that as well okay, and uh, well. to be able to be with each other and to enjoy this moment. Time. We share the love of food on Table for <laughs> Two. That's what we're all about. All yeah. the food, all the time right here. You should call it Table for 22. <laughs> so so um, it was really nice. The Jewish Home wrote an article about this is actually, I just had my second anniversary last week of Table for Two. So now this is technically the start of my third season, I guess, even though we're, I kind of started a little bit into the first season um, of the Nachum Siegel Network. So there, everyone's in full swing of the third, but I really came in late. So um, so we had a little bit of a, you know, uh, celebration uh, for me. And um, the Jewish Home wrote a nice little article about me, my local Five Towns newspaper, and they called it Table for Two or 250. <laughs> so, yeah, so because I love to cook for everyone. Um, so on that note, let's do our What's for Dinner segment, sponsored by our friends at Gourmet Glut. So talking about inspiration, we've had so many, so much crazy uh, bad weather this month of February. Um, so far at time of recording this show, there were two snow days. Well, one was a snow day and one was an ice day. Where the roads were just horrible, so they Perfect had cancelled school. Yeah, mm-hmm. so Lovely. so what would inspire me to cook, um, and and what did I have in my house that I didn't want to actually go out? So I called this like I, I want um, I called it Blizzard Soup. It's on my blog, but I just want to share this recipe with my listeners. Um, it's basically a vegetable soup with kale, apple, and cabanossi sausage. Mm. It's part of an homage to all the dry mm. the dried meats awesome. and the cured meats. And uh, of course, it's from Hod Golan, mm. which is available at Gomegla. I took the, the cute little tiny sausages Kibans, and uh, I cut them off okay. and I, I, I love them. I sauteed that some onion, a jalapeno pepper. I took out the ribs and seeds because I don't like it so spicy. But if you want it more, they have to swallow. That doesn't happen too often. <laughs> you have to, um, you keep the ribs and the heat in. Um, if you, you keep the, if you want more heat, Keep the ribs and the seeds in with your uh, chopped up uh, jalapeno, but I don't like it so spicy, so I take it out. Um, cup of diced celery, a, one cup of cut up, uh, peeled and chopped apple. I know that's surprising, right? In a soup, really delicious. Uh, one six ounce package of chick- chicken cabanossi from Hod Golan. Chop that up. Uh, about six cups of chopped up kale. Um, and I sauteed that all up. I, first I did the onions, then I threw everything else in. It was so easy. And then I threw in my garlic and my cumin, my vegetable broth, can of diced tomatoes, tomatoes, um, and then a can of white beans. Uh, like I used northern, uh, Great Northern. I drained it, um, and then I threw the beans in as well, tossed it. And I also used fire-roasted tomatoes. It has mm. that depth mm. of flavor. 
um, and then salt and black pepper to taste. Um, it did not take too long to cook. Um, when it was ready, I kind of added in a little bit of sriracha, my new love, um, um, and then, you know, seasoned it. And my kids always, one of my kids loves salt a little too much, so she completely put in a ton of salt, but I thought it was seasoned just right. Um, and then you adjust as you go. You don't have to use the cumin. If you like curry, use curry. As I always say, recipes are just suggestions uh, by the chef, but find your own inner chef and create your own slight variation of flavors. But it was an absolutely fabulous recipe, and it froze amazing. Like I made a huge, like, eight-quart um, pot. Uh, we ate it over two days at dinner, and then the rest over I froze because I can't serve it a third meal. That would kill me. <laughs> so it's in the freezer, and it's a really delicious, chunky soup for a really cold night. So hopefully as February wraps up, and yeah. we move closer to Chag Ha'aviv. This bad weather <laughs> will go with it. But you have some warm, chunky, hot soup to keep you warm through these winters. And it's also, you didn't need too much else because it was so chunky. And it had meat in it. You didn't need all tons of side dishes. So, um, yeah, it was an all-in-one almost uh, meal. So, yeah, continuing our conversation, I have Melinda. Hi, Melinda. Hello. <laughs> How you doing? Good. We had so much fun. Melinda and I got to stay in the city Um and we had a sleepover. We had a, yeah, it was, you know, we, we travel a lot together to a lot of the food shows and, and we love to, uh, can have, I'm just going to move a little so I can see Melinda eye to eye. Um, I'll scooch too. Makes for a better interview. Um, yeah, so we, we have a lot of fun food adventures together. Melinda and I have known, been known to go to four restaurants in one day eating our way through <laughs> New York City. Yeah. So, uh, um, I had to have Melinda on because, you know, Purim is any minute now. I always feel like Pesach is tomorrow, but yeah, Melinda and I are going to cook together for Pesach. We're going to have a lot of fun. So but, excited. Um, but Melinda's been, uh, decided that she was going to spend a week in her house because it was too cold just cooking hamantaschen. Oh yeah. I, d- I made so many. I, could, I have, still have so many I want to make, but I think I shouldn't overwhelm everybody with too much. Okay. But I started with three. Again, the list keeps going and I keep getting suggestions from people. So if you have any ideas, email them to me, kitchentested at gmail.com. I, I keep getting great ideas. I do have one I really, really want to do that may or may not include Oreos, uh, and maybe frying or deep frying. Deep frying a hummus. <gasps> yeah. Just putting the hint out there. I'm Nobody copy ba- me. Banging the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> you have to wait for Melinda's blog. Okay. So Just I'm kidding. actually going to hold up three that have been, she's been posted and then she's going to talk to us about the art of making the right dough. Mm-hmm. So we have here, Melinda. I'm going to hold this up to the camera this is and my you're first going line, to describe. Yeah. If you make the recipe here, you have to do the scribing. So uh, Jonathan did his meat, and now you're going to do your hamantaschen. So, so this, this is, is a black and white cookie hamantaschen. And I basically use the same basic dough for all my hamantaschen. I'll adapt it based on what I, else I put in it, but I just love this specific one. There's no eggs in it, which is great. Um, oh, it's good. not exactly a healthy recipe, but it has no eggs. Some people okay, we're not talking that. healthy. It's a cookie. Exactly. Okay? <laughs> and it's pouring. We're on diets, you know. We're on Don't, we're no, no diets. Yeah, so this is actually filled with a black and white cookie butter. So I took What's black a cookie and white. butter? Oh, yeah. So cookie butters are basically where you blend any cookie you want. You can use any cookie you want. Oreo. Oh, yeah. My and favorite. you just take it, you blend it. People use heavy cream. I use Rich's Whip, like a whip topping. Because you want it par. Exactly. And margarine or butter. Butter's always better. But butter is make better. It so I blended Rich's Whip, the whipping cream, the whip topping with margarine and black and white cookies that I bought at the grocery store. Mm. 
So what? So good. What's the texture? Like a cream, a cream cheese te- texture? Oh yeah, that would be a good way of describing it. Yeah, right. or a, it's they um, call it a butter because it has that kind of soft texture. And if you don't like a soft mush cookie, you're not gonna like it. But <laughs> if it's so good, just eat it with a spoon. Seriously, just eat it with a spoon and you'll be happy. Oh, yeah. so, so when you good. bake yeah. it, how does it does it go into the dough itself? Or yeah, it's so what you well? do, so I make my dough and it's super pliable dough. I love it. And okay, then, great. Yeah. Um, I just put like a half a teaspoon because if you put too much filling in your hamantashen, they are going to <laughs> open up everywhere and they'll taste really good, but you're not going to want to serve them to people. Won't, won't be pretty. Yes. And another tip that I always give is to take your fingers as you're making the hamantashen, the little circle, and I press around the edges with a little bit of water on my fingers and then I close them. Then I close them up because... It's just the water helps keep everything together. So even with a cookie dough, I do that with puff pastry. Mm-hmm. I make a, yeah. a pastrami hamantashen, but mm-hmm. I use puff pastry. Yum. Of course, pastrami because, you know, <laughs> Abel's and Hyman and Hodgolan. Mm. Um, and I always find it opens up. So mm. I was using water to, you know, around the circumference to help it keep closed. But you should do that with a cookie dough as well. I, that 100% with a hamantashen dough. I mean, not all cookies need this, but people are always, oh, they're always opening in every different dough that I've used. A little bit of water goes a long way. I mean, people use egg also, but I'm already egg-free in the dough, so why add egg Okay, oh, good point. And it just helps, you know, dip a little, just dip my fingers in water, go around the edges and close it up. I like to close as much as possible, like where there's just a teeny tiny opening, because they're always going to open a little bit as they bake. Correct. So I try and close them so much that all you see is a little dot in the center of the filling. And then after they cool, I make a traditional black... Uh, the, the, it's made a chocolate icing basically for the black and white cookie. So I make a vanilla and I make a chocolate and then I, um, painstakingly went over each one. <laughs> it, it's so much fun to do with kids. I'll be honest. My kids actually help me with this one. It can get a little messy, but that's okay. Cause then you get to lick your fingers oh, or yum. wash your hands if you're <laughs> serving them to other people. And I just made them look like black and white cookies and they taste. You are welcome to taste. Okay. You know, we're going to, I'm going to taste like everybody knows cookies. I love to eat. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to divide this up because we have one. She bought us one of everything. I'm going to just divide it up. I was lucky enough to have them fresh out of the oven. That's true. And so they freeze really, the really day. well. So I'm going to pass that around to my foodie friends. You like the chocolate. You like the white. Everybody's got their preference, too. You oh, you know, I got a little of each. If you want. I don't need I mean, I have a million in my freezer, so I'm good. You guys share them. Okay, give a little to And okay. they're dairy-free. Everything's dairy free that awesome. I'm doing. Just so you know. You can see all the, oh, there uh, is gluten in them. That's right. Yosef can't eat them because the he's gluten free. Oh, the yeah, 100% gluten free. Okay. About two years now. Nice two flaky, years. Flakiness of it. It's a great recipe. My aunt makes this recipe for made it for years, and I was at her house once, and I'm like, I Very need good. this recipe now. I do wish I could eat them. I know. With everything you, every, anything I've eaten. I have some gluten free um, hamantash on my blog. Yeah, you do. Right. Yes, you do. Um, this is absolutely. I'm a big fan of a black and white cookie on a good day. We'll be talking a lot before I'm I like how the dough is, is not so sweet, but it complements the, mm-hmm. the the frosting. Yeah, it's definitely not it's too delicious. sweet. That's really important. Right. What, what sweetener do you use in it? So for the the dough or for the, the dough icing, itself. the dough had the only sweetener in there. I, well, I guess there is a little bit of sugar, but it's also the uh, the Rich's Whip adds um, some extra sweet. flavor to. Yeah. So if you use, you can use coconut milk mm-hmm. if you do, and you want it to be sweeter, I would add a little bit extra sugar to it. I actually make them when I want them to be more savory. I'll make it with coconut milk without any added sugar. More sugar than the recipe, a lot. It's delicious. Right away when I bit into them, and I'm not a big dessert person, but I do like a good cookie. Mm-hmm. I'm a big cookie person. Right away, I noticed it was a shortbread cookie. And I, I right, love shortbread. Like, Last <laughs> time I was here, I brought shortbread cookies. Right. From, and they were gluten-free. <laughs> they were. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So now I'm holding up. I'm holding in my hands a hamantashen with blueberry center and fresh blueberries, she mm-hmm. said. 
um, and on top is a crumble, mm. and it's an homage to the blueberry, a blueberry cobbler. It's which, a crisp. Uh, yeah, uh, cobbler a or crisp. Okay. Well, cobbler has more of like a, a very thick topping to it that's kind of plopped on. It's, what would you put in the filling? It's, it's more of a cookie dough to, to that goes on top, or a biscuit, really, that goes on top. That's a cobbler, and then there's a crisp. Which oh, is, there you go. I, I know, even know I, had, the difference. I googled everything before. I really okay. want to make sure that I'm calling <laughs> okay, it the right Okay, because I use thing. them interchangeably. I've got to learn now. Okay. Um, so I make a blueberry crisp mm-hmm. then every shoppers. Like oats and nuts. Right? Oats and nuts mm-hmm. or apples instead of blueberries. Depends if I can get them at a good price at Gourmet Glut. Um, but uh, because sometimes in, in season they're a little cheaper and when they're off season it's a little bit expensive. So and the minute it starts, I see them on a, at a good price, I grab them. But um. So I'm just going to hold this up, this hamantaschen up. It's we got that. I'm just going to make sure that we got a nice little uh, picture mm-hmm. for those who are watching. Um, this is amazing. You had these fresh. These I, ones you I, had right I, out of the literally oven. Literally right. They were hot still. Mm-hmm. And I was actually watching Melinda photograph her set. <laughs> if you can watch me photograph Melinda on my Instagram page. Uh, a couple of weeks ago I did that. So I'm going to take a little bit. And it's actually got tons of filling in that. Oh, yeah. It so spreads it's kind of, out more because it's a. I made it actually. This I made with frozen blueberries, which is great because then you're when they're, they're frozen, they're flash frozen when they're at their peak. So you're getting a fresh. really fresh. Oh, blueberries. that's interesting. I thought mm-hmm. it was fresh, fresh blueberries. No, like, this is, well, you could make it with fresh if you have it in the nice house. That's nice to know fine. because if you, as we're saying, you can't always buy them for a good price. So right. now you can. Oh yeah. Oh, a lot of times you can get even the best uh, ingredients mm-hmm. that are frozen. just frozen because right they, they freeze them at their peak yeah. really quickly. So oh, you're nice. like a lot of vegetables like that too. As long as you don't overcook the vegetable, you're getting it right at its peak as freshness and it's healthier. And but if, if something's in season, obviously go for that first. But when something's off season, like oh, blueberries, that's so then interesting. It's great. This is the same dough. It's the same dough, exactly. Actually, right? this one is. I did not do any adaption to this dough. It's the same exact dough. Uh, but I think the filling has a lot of sweetness. I didn't. There's no white sugar in the filling. I actually use uh, pure maple syrup is there for this one. Is there citrus in here too? Or no? Um, lemon, lemon, lemon in the filling. Oh, you know yeah. what? There is actually. I'm sorry. There's a little lemon zest in the dough. Lemon zest. Yeah, yeah. Lemon I forgot about that one. There's that little adaptation. We there. loved it. We it's took it. We took it. Melinda, when I came over to um, try some at her house the other week, she sent me some home for my kids. I went nuts <laughs> over this because you know we love blueberry cobbler. Mm-hmm. Crisp. Blueberry crisp. I'm yeah, glad so I got crisp a cobbler. It's different. And it's interesting is that I forgot what it is. There's a crisp. There's cobbler and there's one other one. And the crisp is crumble. crumble. In England, we so call a crisp it a crumble. Has, right. no, so here's the yeah. difference Same between them. A crisp has um, oats and nuts, and I believe that a – or oats, and I believe a crumble does not have oats. I think that's the only difference right. between them. I make a crumble. I've changed mm-hmm. three so there's times. no oats in the crumble. <laughs> I make a crumble. Flour, brown yes. sugar, and that's a crumble. butter or margarine mm-hmm. or something. Right. So, so. I, I, I try to be a bit more healthy, so I've kind of – even though it's not quite as good, I don't use the margarine or the butter. It depends mm-hmm. if make it milkic or flashy. This has a little margarine in the topping. So I put – that's why it's so good, but I, I'll put in canola oil and make mm-hmm. a crumb flour mm-hmm. – one cup flour, one cup sugar, half a cup of oil, and I do mix it with a fork, and it makes a nice crumble for those of you who are yeah. not eating margarine or shortening. Yeah. You can do uh, coconut oil and oats as well for oh, yeah. gluten-free and a healthier option as well. Yeah. Yes. My husband Love hates coconut, idea. and that's the only reason that I, t- I tend to not use coconut oil for stuff like because it has it takes on the flavor of the coconut, which is so good, but he right. hates and coconut. And a crumble is right. great. Yeah. Oh, I, I would love it. My mother actually puts in her what did we call crumble? It? crumble mm-hmm. dried coconut. Really, yeah, that's interesting. That's really good. My yeah. mother's known. That for would be her. great with this too. If you want to add dry, uh, coconut to it, unsweetened mm-hmm. coconut would be so good at this because mm-hmm. it toasts up while it bakes. So you're going to get the toasted coconut. We flavor. actually put it in our smoothies. Uh, Yosef and I were yes. talking about all the smoothies and the kale smoothie that we make. Right. So we put in a little bit of coconut because yep. that's mm. so healthy. The texture's nice. Yeah, we love. 
Uh, we love coconut in the house, so we never leave. Always chuck that in. Um, okay, and the third kind that we've got, this is a uh, this is gluten gluten on gluten. Oh yeah, <laughs> more gluten. To just keep it, and I love to, to eat gluten free, but sometimes you just gotta go for it. Right. Yeah, this is a pretzel with a chocolate drizzle on top of a hamantashen. And what is the filling? The filling. For, oh my God, I'm like forgetting this. I might have to look. Oh, it's a chocolate ganache filling. Oh, chocolate yeah. ganache. A chocolate ganache is very easy to make, and mm-hmm. you can use it on so many different things. You basically take chocolate and heavy cream or coconut milk. Oh, I use coconut. Oh, coconut milk. milk. Mm-hmm. Oh, this has got coconut milk mm-hmm. on. Melt the chocolate into the cream, and that's where the ganache is, and that's how. From there, depending on the ratio, how you also make truffles as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Um, and that this is-, is actually a truffle-like filling. The way that the um, the ratio works out is what you do is you make the ganache. I just put it in the microwave for 30 seconds and oh. stir, and that's it. And then I put it in the fridge to harden, and that's truffle filling right there. So because it, it helps when you fill it, the but it helps when you fill it that the chocolate is harder because once it's soft, it's kind of just going to melt into the cookie. So I happen to really like these best right out of the freezer because the this pretzel after a day or two begins to, to get a little bit, it's less crunchy, but right out of the freezer, these, I, I will be honest that they've been my lunch for a couple of days just because <laughs> and I've been at home and I've been like, all I want are pretzel hamantashen. There's peanut butter in this. There is peanut butter. Uh, right away. I can oh, taste yeah. it. This is, there's actually peanut butter. There's a peanut butter dough. With a ganache filling and a pretzel on top and a peanut butter chocolate drizzle. So there's peanuts. So your peanut butter is Hopefully your... nobody here has a peanut allergy now that we're talking <gasps> <No>. about it. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, no, that'd be no, good. No and allergy. I use crunchy peanut butter in the dough so that the dough has... As a texture. Just for fun to throw like it in that. there. And I love... You could see pieces of peanut in the dough. So that's a fun this one. Outrageous. And, yeah. and, and last year, Melinda got a lot of attention on her blog for her tie-dye. Rainbow hamantashen. Rainbow hamantashen. I yeah. thought that was outrageous. And I really like, and it happens to Honey Applebaum as well. People take it. It happens to me with only that one recipe, my cheese likers, when people make it and then send us the pictures of what they've made. And mm-hmm. that's really exciting. I love that. I wanted to do that for your lamb, mm. but I made it, I served on Shabbos Day. So, oh. you know, no, no Shabbos photos you have to do it again <laughs> sometimes it's yeah. very sad like i always say if you haven't put it on instagram your food it's like you never made it <laughs> <laughs> my kids go crazy you have to take a picture of everything i'm like yeah you know so yeah. i have a new rule though no because whenever i go out for dinner my husband gets so annoyed he's like you take pictures of food food gets cold which happens a lot at restaurants and even chefs and owners get very annoyed they're like well the food was hot when i put it out but 10 minutes later you're eating it it's it's not warm anymore so my new rule and i will still take pictures of food is i take a picture of the food i put my phone down i eat the food and then i'll instagram the picture while i'm waiting for the next course so that i really get to eat the food hot and then nobody has to wait for me right i'm I'm a big believer in that and especially like talking about you know last night wine also the right temperature i'm going to bring this whole conversation full circle back to Yosei. There is nothing worse than cold red wine <laughs> and room, room temperature white wine. Don't even serve it. It's like serving a cold chicken soup. It's just unacceptable. Right. And, and, and people go, oh, this wine wasn't so good because you didn't it's have it the at the right temperature. Yeah. Red wine in the fridge is a big no-no. Very sad. Um, here's a question I get asked a lot. You have some leftover wine. I don't understand what that means. Apparently, people don't finish <laughs> don't, a whole bottle. I always well, have leftover wine. You I can. I do like it for cooking. So, so what do you do? You, what do you, you do? You put it into uh, ice cube trays and uh, freeze it, and then you could take out a piece of it and use it in your dish. That's interesting. That's a great tip. Oh, I like that. As well. I make my own balsamic vinegar. 
It's balsamic it? style vinegar. Of course he does. <laughs> I mean, you can re- you can also make any reduction and has a, have as a glaze or syrup. Uh, well, I used your pomegranate. Well. I kept the leftover glaze, pomegranate mm-hmm. glaze, and I've been using that. I should. Yeah, but you could do that with wine as well. I've made White a reduction. Um, I have. It's really better with red. With red. Okay. Um, but I've made it with uh, leftover wine and utilize it with uh, blueberries and some um, other. Ingredients to bring a reduction down, use it as a syrup or a reduction they're utilizing on a dish or different things. And it stays well in the refrigerator. And you can keep it in the fridge for a good yes. couple of days and yep. use it as the, at, at, as a drizzle like right. they do yes. in all the restaurants. Oh, I like that. That's a do great you, yes. What's the point of making, um, of cooking with it? I'm a strong believer that if I'm not going to drink that wine, I'm not going to cook with it. You use I it agree. as the ingredients. I agree. Yeah. Cooking um, wines, when you see those, the bottles yeah, on the there are bottles on the store shelves that yes. they say red cooking wine. Don't mm-hmm. buy them. Yes. We've shouted that Don't from the rooftops. Yes. I shout that from the rooftops. Don't put you anything in your it. food. You're not going to drink. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's I that agree. simple. Yeah. But yeah, apparently people don't finish a whole bottle of wine. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, someone a very nice. <laughs> I never do. We just never go through it. I I love to cook with wine more than drink it. So I find like I actually made Dini deliver ha- delivers has an incredible. Turkey recipe roast recipe on her blog. Yeah, DiniDelivers.com, big yes. fan. We mm-hmm. are big Shout fan out. of hers, and she's she's she was on the show a couple That's of weeks right. ago. And she's a great recipe, and it has white wine in it. And I, and to me, I open up a bottle of white wine, and then I, I don't, I'm not going to drink it because I'm not such a big wine drinker. Next time I know, I'm just going to bring it to Naomi's house. And Sweet Nachman will be so happy. Exactly. I actually interchange it with uh, stock. Sometimes, yeah, so if absolutely. I don't have yeah, one in the house, absolutely. I use stock. I put, so I use vegetable stock. I love Trader Joe's so, low sodium. Yeah, fabulous. And, uh, I bet white wine probably would have been even right. tastier. But it was just to let everybody know, it was an amazing recipe. So go find it and make it. But I uh, now I know. Bring it to Naomi's. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can utilize the white wine and mm-hmm. you know, as a uh, a base for making uh, fish stocks or other things yeah. as well. I, I, and I then you could freeze that. Well. That would be very exactly. smart. So you could marinate berries as well. Oh, fresh yeah. berries, fresh fruits, and some white wine. Mm-hmm. Really? Never done that, but I, I think like macerating it, like with sugar, yeah. but with wh- white wine. I would do white wine. A sw- a sweet yeah. white. We are yeah. all learning something here today. <laughs> Listeners, <laughs> viewers, guests, Genius. engineers. Yeah, everyone's everyone's learning. Um, we were just talk- so, but I want to talk about um, if you do have leftover red wine, right. red because that really does come up, and not everybody's, you know, chefing like we do. But right. where should they store it? Put the cork back on, seal it up so it's airtight. And leave it at room temperature. Or put it back in your... If I have a wine fridge, I put it back in the wine fridge if I need to. Um, but it doesn't want to get too hot. It will spoil. It will start becoming vinegar. Once you start messing right. with the temperatures too many times, the right. wine, it really messes up the flavor. But flame. please do not put it in the refrigerator. Please. Do you, uh, do you recommend the devices that uh, pump air into the... They are very popular. Uh-huh. I'm a little like Naomi. I don't have leftover wine. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, if, right. I'm, if I do want to use it for vinegar, I will make sure that I set it aside so like... You know, I'm, I need to top up my balsamic vinegar. So, again, it's balsamic style vinegar. I've been called out on that because the the process is not the official. Right. You have to but, be uh, from Moderna to right. make balsamic vinegar right. in Italy. Um, so, um, if I want to do that, I'll set aside. But I, um, if you remove the air, you remove the chance of oxidation. And, I mean, the science is there. Mm-hmm. Um, have never done it. Okay. Because you don't have leftover wine. That's, <laughs> that's okay. the only reason, people. It's okay. <laughs> that's very funny. Yeah. And white wine. White wine can go in the right. fridge. 
Yeah, white wine should go in the fridge. I think you, you want to serve it chilled. It should be ready when you want it. Chardonnay is that supposed to be cold or not? No, I I really cold. enjoy I really enjoy an ice cold white okay. wine. Mm-hmm. I don't Ugh. I don't Some like of the wines last night went Let's so differentiate ice cold. That. That was sad. It's a big room. There's lots of people. I know it's it difficult. was hard. It was hard. But I would imagine some of them were even better if they're white. Wow, we are running out of time. When you say ice cold, make sure not to put ice in your... Correct. Don't put ice in your wine. That that dilutes it and makes it (laughs) taste like water. (laughs) What an incredible show. Didn't you feel like this hour? We've got like one minute left. This hour just went like that. It goes very We're going to need another hour. Is that cool? We could do this, yeah. 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 (laughs) You know what it means? You'll have to come back up again. Nice. After Pesach. We've got a huge lineup between now and Pesach. You've got to stick around uh, every Friday. You can listen to our shows in so many different ways during the week as well on the Nakam Siegel Network app, nakamsegel.com, on iTunes. We are a podcast. We have so many ways of, of hearing all these amazing guests share their brilliant ideas with us. You are listening to Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nakam Siegel Network. Our show is sponsored by Hod Golan, and music is sponsored up until Lichbenshing by our friends at Kerem. Wishing everybody a Shabbat Shalom. Happy cooking. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom.